You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. When the music stops in terms of liquidity, things will be complicated. But as long as the music is playing, you've got to get up and dance. We're still dancing. Chuck Prince of Citigroup, Financial Times, July the 10th, 2007. A sound banker, alas, is not one who foresees danger and avoids it, but one who, when he is ruined, is ruined in a conventional way along with his fellows so that no one can really blame him. John Maynard Keynes, 1931. The dance has stopped. Mr Prince's Citigroup has just announced $6 billion in write-downs and losses for the third quarter of 2007. He's far from alone, and more bad news is no doubt to come. As Keynes foretold, the banks joined Mr Prince's dance together and are now leaving it together. Until the dance ends, nobody knows what a bank's profits are. Bankers report and pay themselves on the basis of profits that are quite often offset by write-offs when the bad lending finally comes to light. What is remarkable about the present crisis, then, is how traditional it is, despite the modern paraphernalia of securitised lending. We are seeing old-fashioned bad lending and old-fashioned mispricing of risk. What is remarkable, in addition, is the severity of the consequences. The US market in asset-backed paper contracted by 21% between August the 8th and October the 1st. The flight from risk also brought about big divergences between interest rates on commercial paper and US Treasury bills, and between central bank interest rates and those in interbank three-month markets. This disruption, moreover, has taken place at the core of the world economy, the US housing market and debt markets of advanced countries. I admit to both surprise and disappointment. No, I am not surprised by the repricing of risk. On the contrary, together with a host of outside observers, I was astonished by the willingness of yield-seeking investors to take on risks for small rewards. If anything, the repricing has been remarkably small, at least so far. Equity markets are buoyant. Spreads over U.S. Treasuries of emerging market bonds in the J.P. Morgan Emerging Market Composite Bond, or MB Plus, index rose by a mere 39 basis points between July the 6th and October the 1st. On BAA-rated corporate bonds, they rose by 59 basis points, and even on CAA-rated bonds, they rose by no more than 191 basis points over this period. What I'm surprised by is how toxic securitization of subprime mortgages has turned out to be for financial markets. I admit that I thought securitization had attractive features. It should allow banks to remain in the mortgage business as originators and intermediaries without taking too much of the interest rate, term and liquidity risks on their own highly leveraged and so fragile books. It should allow banks to transfer those risks to investors who want longer-term, high-yielding assets, and in the process, riskier borrowers should have access to more credit than before. In 2005, Alan Greenspan himself, then still Federal Reserve Chairman, remarked that advances in technology had revolutionised lending, and he went on, where once more marginal applicants would simply have been denied credit, 
lenders are now able to quite efficiently judge the risk posed by individual applicants and to price that risk appropriately. These improvements have led to rapid growth in subprime mortgage lending. Oops! So what went wrong? There are two chief answers. The first has nothing to do with securitization itself. It is that a fit of all-too-familiar euphoria overwhelmed both lenders and borrowers at a time of low interest rates and rapid rises in the prices of the underlying collateral, namely housing. But the second has a great deal to do with securitization. It is that the process of removing lending from the books of the initiators encouraged sloppy lending. It's not going to end up on our books, is it? And greater belief that banks were free of the risk. This special purpose vehicle has nothing to do with us, has it? Then turned out to be the case. Why did this happen? As Robert Van Order of the Universities of Aberdeen and Michigan points out, securitization necessarily creates a chain of transactors where bank lending interposes just one institution between the borrower at one end and the depositor at the other. Such chains depend on trust, or as he puts it, reliance on originators and services to originate good loans and service them properly. The trust proved misplaced and has duly vanished. Credit means he or she believes. Alas, he or she no longer does. In trust's absence, ignorance, not only of what securitized assets are worth, but also of who holds them, dried up asset-backed paper markets. That has forced banks to lend directly to the conduits, special purpose and special investment vehicles they created. The need to fund these dried up lending and above all the provision of liquidity to interbank markets. One result among many was the collapse of Northern Rock's business model in the UK. An obvious reaction to this debacle is to recommend going back to the old bank-based lending model. But that would be a big mistake. The potential advantages of securitization vis-à-vis plain vanilla bank lending remain, because banks are inherently so fragile. But if these markets are to recover, the errors must also be fixed. First, ways must be found to demonstrate integrity of lending again. Second, transparency of the securities will have to increase. And third, banks must ensure themselves adequately against the need to provide liquidity to their off-balance sheet vehicles. It is not impossible to sell complex products safely. Boeing and Airbus managed to do it, after all, but only companies that demonstrably care about their reputations will be able to do so. It is up to originators of securitized liabilities to achieve just that. A great deal of dust still has to settle in housing markets, financial markets and the world economy. The world that emerges will look different in many ways, but there is no reason securitization should not become as normal and reliable an element in financial markets as corporate junk bonds and loans to emerging markets have already turned out to be. It is always possible to have too much of a good thing. In this case, the world has had far too much of something that was not as good as it ought to have been. But securitization is, in principle, a good thing all the same. It can re-emerge provide the lessons of the financial markets dance are fully learned. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.